One of the questions youth workers are asking more than any other is this, what can I do to help parents as they seek to love their LGBTQ kids? All of our kids are divine image bearers and we are called to parent them with grace and truth. I invite you to listen in as I chat with Joan McConnell and Joy Worrell, both members of the Parent and Family Ministry Team at Harvest USA, about how to best support our youth ministry parents as they navigate these tender, sensitive, and difficult issues in ways that honor the Lord and His good design on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And if you've been tracking with us over the years, all the episodes that we've done here on this podcast, you know that we work very hard to speak in the cultural moment God's truth to things that are happening, um, affirming things that we find in the culture where where truth uh, exists, and then challenging things and wanting to help youth workers and parents do the same where the culture is misdirecting our students. So today is one of those conversations that in many ways is a continuation of things that we've talked about quite a bit on here uh, because they're front and center in the culture, and that's matters of sexuality and gender, ideologies that are out there just in the air that our kids are breathing. We as adults are breathing this as well. Swimming is in the soup of this, as we say here at CPYU. And so we're going to have a conversation about how we can love parents as they love their LGBTQ plus kids. And one thing I want to say about this before we jump into it is that I track a lot with a lot of the forums that those of you who are listening are youth workers that you're contributing to on Facebook. And it's interesting because this question comes up a lot. I know that youth workers are looking for guidance on this. We're not counselors. Uh, we are people who are guiding and leading kids. We need to walk alongside parents as they nurture their kids, and we want to guide them uh, to think Christianly and critically and respond to ways to bring honor and glory to God as they face difficult issues, and this is certainly one of them. So our conversation today was actually sparked by an article that I read recently, a post at harvestusa.org. Uh, many of you are familiar with Harvest USA. It's a ministry that we love here at CPYU because it's a ministry that really helps those who are dealing with sexual brokenness. I've had a longstanding relationship with many of the folks at Harvest USA and seen the fruit of their good work and have tapped into their resources, which we've recommended before. And this particular article that I spotted was written by Joy Worrell, who's going to join us here in just a second. And uh, when I contacted Joy about hopping on the podcast, she said, well, you know what? I think it'd be great to have somebody else on here as well. And I was wondering who she'd suggest. And it winds up being someone I know very well from my own church, and that's Joan McConnell. So I'm going to let the two of them introduce themselves. Let me start. Um, Joan, since I've known you longer, and I've only known Joy for about five minutes now, um, would you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us, you know, who you are, a little bit about who you are and about this journey you're on where you just went on staff with Harvest USA? Yes, thank Walt. Thank you, Walt. Um, I I know Walt pretty well, too. I think the first time I attended anything by him was uh, probably back in the 90s. And I'm here to tell you he's been faithful to Scripture, and we so appreciate the work he does for us. I often tell parents he does our homework for us, and it's it's great, and it's accurate, and it's biblical. Uh, yes, I, I do have a bit of a history with uh, Harvest USA. I also have a, a history with my church as a women's counselor on staff there for a number of years. But Harvest USA came into my life in, about 20 years ago because of my son's choice of a homosexual lifestyle, and the Lord, uh, amazingly, as he often does, timed my uh, my stumbling across Harvest because of a weekend they were doing at my church. Uh, 
since then they have ministered to me and their materials have been just the the core of my growth and understanding of these issues uh, several years ago, five years ago, I joined the board of Harvest and enjoyed doing that. But actually, my fit is a whole lot better on staff. Uh, and now I'm the director of parents and family ministries there uh, because my burden is primarily for the fa for the families, for the parents. How do they approach their children? How do they understand their children? And most of all, my my main burden is what can we do to undergird them biblically as they try to walk through this journey? Uh, I certainly enjoy uh, working with Joy. Uh, we're sort of a, a really good tandem of opposites and the Lord uses us together in a lot of ways. So we don't know what all the Lord's doing with Harvest at the moment, but we can surely tell you that uh, the void out there that needs to be filled is great, and it's not going to be filled well if we don't fill it with God's truth, and that's that's what we're about. Yeah, and, and let me just say about Harvest, uh, something that's really impressed me over the years is the the spirit of uh, gentleness, if I can say that, and kindness mm -hmm. that exists. That's the personality of the organization. I know spending time with John Freeman, I can guess a lot of that flows out of John, who is just a tender-hearted, tender-hearted brother, and really appreciate appreciate him. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the one of the best things about Harvest Joy. What about you? Well, hi, Walt. Thanks so much for having us on today. Um, so, I'm married to my wonderful husband Tim of 40 years. And we have five children and two grandchildren. And we learned about Harvest early on in our marriage when we attended 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for a short time. And um, we just really appreciated what Harvest was doing. That was in the early days of Harvest. And if you've heard anything from John Freeman about har how Harvest began, obviously he was instrumental in that as the founder. He approached the men at 10th Prez and encouraged them about the need to reach one of the um, most unreached people groups right there in their city at their doorstep. And that was the lesbian and homosexual community at that time. And so um, he was encouraged to begin har the harvest ministry. Um, I understand Tim Keller was a great encouragement as well from John's story, which has been recounted many times to me, and um, Harvest began. And so my husband and I heard about it in its infancy and were very supportive of the, the ministry. Um, we went on to move away from that area and this many years later, a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to to um, it, to intern really initially with Harvest in the parent groups, and after that was asked to consider coming on staff, which I did. My experience: my husband is a pastor, and so um, I've been involved in a lot of counseling over the years as his wife. And so it was just a good fit for me to come on staff and minister to parents who I have a real heart for, as does Joan. And it's just really been a wonderful two years being on staff with Harvest and walking with this pa these parents through one of the most difficult times of their lives, really, Walt. And so I'm just thankful um, for this privilege. It's it's heart-wrenching, obviously, walking alongside these parents and hearing these stories, but um, it's also a great honor and privilege mm. to walk alongside them. Yeah, good. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you both are doing the work you're doing. Could you talk, either one of you or both of you, a little bit about uh, what you've learned about the experience of parents, Christian parents who are facing these issues, you know, paint a picture for us of maybe what you've learned about what they they go through. Um, <clears throat> I've noticed that uh, the initial response of parents usually comes down to three questions. One is, how could this happen? The other is, what did I do to cause it? And the last one is, what can I do to fix it? Uh, it and those questions 
need to be dealt with in order for that parent to uh, get off the their get on get a start in understanding what to do, what to think, and what to look forward to. Uh, there are many peripheral things that have to be added to the picture, like you don't know how long this is going to go on. Uh, you don't know very many details. Right now, you're basically shocked. Another thing that Joy and I uh, keep in mind constantly is that many of our parents come from churches who offer them no support whatsoever. Uh, that's why they come to us. That's how they come to our parents' online groups. But what's often lacking is some solid understanding of biblical basics. Uh, for example, the idea that uh, we are all capable of sin, that we are all sinners, that we all need redemption through Christ. Uh, many of them uh, have heard those things, but they don't understand the impact of those doctrines or those concepts on what they're experiencing. So we spend a lot of time with what some uh, Christians might call the basics, but always in a way that they're being applied to this baffling journey that they're on. We we resort often to discussing sovereignty because that becomes not only a place of uh, fascination as we watch our children stray, you know, what in the world's going on, but it becomes a place of rest for the hearts of those parents also. It gives them a God that they can trust, a God that really knows what's going on. And I guess finally, I'd mention uh, our efforts to, I like to use that word, I already used it once, to undergird these parents. Uh, we do that in a number of ways. One is by recommending resources and, and inviting them to our online parents groups. But we also uh, make ourselves available to them. Uh, some of them struggle more than others. Some of them are facing extreme, what we would call extreme cases of sexual difficulties with their children. Most of them represent adult children, oddly, the ones that come to us uh, probably in their 20s and 30s. And lately we've noticed that at least 50% probably of the parents that come represent trans children, not just homosexual children, you know. Uh, so the world of this need that we try to meet morphs quickly, which means we have to keep on our toes, not only with what's going on and even the vocabulary of it, but we have to keep asking ourselves, what is there in scripture that will strengthen these parents, will explain these things to them, and how can we, or um, maybe what should we develop to help them walk faithfully and walk with confidence? Yeah, this is good. I, I uh, The three questions that you said that they come with initially, you know, uh, <laughs> what did I do to cause this? I mean, what, what were the other, can you restate them again? I didn't uh, well, first, the first one is how could this happen? Right. And of course, that's answered by uh, understanding what scripture says about man's rebellion yes. against God. Yes. And what did I do to cause it? Well, for especially for an adult child, but I, I, completely for any child, actually, this is something that the child has chosen to do. It is possibly for a believing child, it's a departure from what they know to be true. Uh, so technically, when you get down to it, I, as the parent, did not do anything to cause it. Uh, but we figure that had I done this or that or been a better parent, whatever that is, um, then it wouldn't have happened. Well, that's putting me in a position that I'm eventually going to say, I can fix this. Mm -hmm. And that's an error in itself also, because that's the third question. What can I do to fix this? And Joy and I always make it very clear that, first of all, we're after heart change. We're not just after behavior change. And what does that look like biblically? Well, we're told clearly that it's the work of the Holy Spirit in that child's heart. Well, how do I hook up with that? Well, the main way that I do is by being a prayer warrior for that child. That's absolutely not a last resort. That's primary, and it needs to start immediately. And then when you get into intercessory prayer for a child whom you love very dearly, you begin to find out things about your own heart, uh, which are maybe very instructive, maybe surprisingly not so good. But I, I think Joy and I have both said, I don't know how many times to these parents, if this is sovereignly permitted for your child, it is sovereignly ordained for you. 
and you will be amazed at the curriculum that he has planned for you as a parent spiritually between you and him as your child walks through this. I love how you said that about, you know, the work of God in your child's heart. As soon as you said that, I start to think, okay, for any of us who have walked through difficulty with our kids, and it's all of us, right? Because we are broken people, living with broken people, raising broken kids, being broken ourselves. I love that leaning into the doctrine of sin because on the one hand, that that gives me the ability to maybe have more compassion knowing there, but for the grace of God go I, or I'm just, you know, I'm just one click, right? Away from yeah. that, you know, when I say click, tick, whatever, you know, whatever that means, one step. Um, but also what you said there, Joan, about the, the work of God in my heart, and maybe Joy, um, you can speak to that as you've counseled parents, you know, what is it like when you're, and I'm thinking of it this way, because we, we've, you know, we've all walked through some difficult times where we go into that, what did I do? And it becomes all about me, which I think is really, it's idolatry, right? In so many ways. And, you know, starting to lean into the truths of God's word related to sovereignty. Can Joy, would you talk to that just a little bit more? Because this is something we're trying to, to tell youth workers, please teach the doctrines, mm-hmm. right? Because the doctrines are there. We lean back into them as we fill the well of our lives with those things. Difficult times come. If you don't have a, a good sense of the sovereignty of God, well, everything's now out of control. And, and you know, now I'm out of control. So I just ask you a long question there, and <laughs> hopefully you remember what I asked you, just speaking about, you know, your experience with teaching about sovereignty. Yes. Well, as Joan likes to often say, um, what is happening with their child is not an oopsie, (laughs) but it too is under God's sovereign plan for them and for us. And so um, we really try to stress that as we talk with these parents, because all of them will acknowledge God's sovereignty and say they heartily assent that God is sovereign. But if he is sovereign, then he's sovereign over this too, and even over our mistakes as parents. And can we trust him with that, even those difficult things that are quite painful, and trust that he is working it all together for good and that he's in it for good, even these most painful things I think that takes some time, though, Walt, for parents to get their head around as they walk this difficult road. As as Joan alluded to, initially they come to us and they want to fix it. And um, that's where our curriculum, which I allude to in in, um, the article that I wrote, um, I think is very helpful. I think it begins to strip them away in the first couple of chapters of that idea that they can fix them as they begin to recognize that, hey, I thought maybe my child was a believer because they, you know, prayed a little prayer or made a profession at a young age. They were on the path to become a missionary or um, a youth worker or whatever it was. Um, But then they totally took um, a left turn out of nowhere, it seems. And so um, we really um, work with them in these first few chapters of Shattered Dreams, New Hope in recognizing that it's not our raising, our rearing, our use of the means, though the means are great, the means of grace. And we're to be faithful in using those means. It's not our efforts, but it's God's work in the heart of the of our child using those means that brings the change. And so, as Joan likes to say over and over again to parents, prayer is not a last resort in this situation. It's our first resort because God is the, is a God of grace. <laughs> He must do the change in the heart of our children. And so I like to say we kind of strip them of that whole fix-it mentality early on in the Shattered Dreams New Hope curriculum. And then by the time we get to the end of that curriculum with them in chapters 9 and 10, we talk about 
how they can be ambassadors for Christ to their children. So um, we kind of come full circle, as it were. I don't know if that answered um, oh, yeah. that question well enough, Walt, but yeah. I, that gives a little bit of insight into what we're doing as we work with these parents. Yeah, this is good. When We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, I want to pursue this a little bit more. You give some great recommendations in this article you wrote, Joy, and I know there's there's much more that you all have that you can share with us. And when we come back, I want to ask a question about, you know, youth workers who are not counselors or let's say a friend, a peer of a parent who is, you know, suddenly called upon to walk beside someone. You know, we're not maybe trained well in that, but as you're saying, prayer. And then I want to ask about Scripture, like where do you send people immediately to land? to allow the Lord to just speak to them and minister to them and watch that process or experience that process of the Holy Spirit bringing change in our own hearts. So uh, when we come back, I want to I want to ask about that. Uh, we're, we're talking right now to Joan McConnell and Joy Worrell about their work with parents through Harvest USA, and we'll be right back to talk some more. If you enjoy listening to Youth Culture Matters and would like to support the ongoing efforts of this ministry, you can do so by visiting cpyu.org giving to make a donation. Your prayers and financial support make this podcast possible. Well, as we continue our conversation here, with Joan and with Joy about loving parents as they love their LGBTQ plus kids. I was thinking as they were talking about the sovereignty of God and scripture I've been reading, and I don't know if either of you have have latched onto this yet, but I've been reading the Ellen Vaughn bio of Elizabeth Elliot. And, uh, oh, it is just, uh, you know, stuff like this resonates with me because she was up there at Gordon-Conwell when I was up there living right around the corner and was on campus from time to time. Her, her second husband, Addison Leach, was a professor there before me because he passed away. That's where I'm going with this, that last night before I went to bed, I read the few chapters on his cancer and the mm-hmm. suffering and just the grueling stuff that he went through, not just physically, but affected him spiritually, relationally, in every possible way, putting myself in that place and hearing her struggle as well through her journals, but always going back to the scriptures, which we know, you know, she she went on and had a history of doing through her radio show and things like that. Uh, but I was reminded as I was reading in the midst of tremendous horror. I mean, that's all I could describe it as, as I was trying to imagine myself in his in his place, uh, Addison Leach, Addison Leach's place, um, her second husband. And the scripture, I mean, can you talk a bit about that, just how we can direct people without, you know, kind of sounding like pat answer, cliche? How have you done that with folks? Either one. Joy? Yeah. Joy. Do it, Joy. <laughs> well, I think we tend to probably um, speak about biblical principles a lot, like we alluded to before about God's sovereignty. We find that a great comfort for parents and not viewing this um, occurrence with their child as a great mistake. Um and then I think we direct them to, um, so, you know, Romans 8, 28, obviously, mm. but we don't do it in a pat way. We speak more big picture principially. And then, um, you know, we try to encourage them and ground them in the truth, which accords with godliness, as Titus talks about. So we you know, we don't have a lot of pat answers in terms of all the all the answers to all the specifics that they're dealing with with their children. 
we certainly are willing to walk those roads with them and address very particular questions that they have. But we try to do it in a way in which we're asking them thoughtful questions, which guide them back to scripture. So, you know, we would, for our, you know, for instance, for a parent struggling with a child that's adopted a transgender identity and has questions about that because they're looking on the internet and they're seeing ministries which are embracing and affirming yep. that identity. We would point them to, to Genesis, the first three chapters of Genesis and how God made us male and female. We'd point them to passages like Psalm 139, where it says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knit us together in our mother's womb. Um, and so we would point to, you know, to those kinds of scripture passages as they wrestle with those moral ethical questions. Yeah. Um, then in terms of marriage and parents that are struggling with that for one reason or another with children that are embracing either a trans identity or a homosexual identity. Um, we would, you know, point to passages like Colossians three or Ephesians five and um, God's good creation of um, husbands and wives and their roles and their complementarity complementarity. Um, so those are, you know, passages of scripture that, that I know I have, um, pointed parents to as they wrestle through these issues. Um, but you know, quite often, a lot of times parents may, they come to harvest because they're already committed to truth. And they know that harvest is a safe place in that respect and that we're not affirming what God says is, is sin and is destructive. So they're coming to harvest already convinced of these issues. They may need bolstering, but a lot of times we're trying to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. And so um, we would, you know, point them to the Psalms as a place of comfort and refuge and consolation, um, as a place where they can go and find that the psalmist experienced many of the deep, heavy, dark feelings and emotions that they're experiencing as they walk this difficult road with their children. And so, you know, in my article, I talk about some of the, the, the feelings that parents describe. Um, and it talks about, you know, sleeplessness, um, self feeling like they're being suffocated, um, just depression, um, it's agonizing, it's earth shattering. They use all these adjectives to describe what they're going through when their child comes out to them with this new identity. And it truly, you know, is earth shattering to them and their world. And so we seek to help them as they walk with the Lord through this to draw near to him and to consider their personal relationship with the Lord and what he's doing in this, in their heart and in their lives to change them. And we find that really important um, in this whole equation with parents. And so, you know, Joan is really great at this and walking with parents and pointing them to scripture and to prayer. Joan, please feel free to jump in here at this point and, you know, add to um, what I've already articulated. I find that uh, one of the dynamics I try to keep in mind, and I know Joy does too, uh, when these parents come to us, they're shattered. That's uh, a pretty good word, actually. And as I said, many of them have no support system at all. Um, but uh, Satan is already busy with them, helping them to see it incorrectly in general. One of the best things we can do for them is to clarify some major 
points that they have assumed incorrectly, such as this business of I can fix this and I should be doing something to fix it because I'm responsible for it. That is totally upside down on a number of counts. Uh, one of the things that I find is reassuring to them, and you might not think this this helps, but many of them come saying things like, well, my child was brought up in a Christian home. They went to a Christian school. They've been in a, a church all their lives, you know, and, and they have a profession of faith. And I just can't make sense of this uh, if they have not just totally walked away from faith. Well, that's an opportunity to say, well, let's look at what scripture tells us about how we come to faith and who it really depends on and whether or not it's always going to look a certain way to those who observe from the outside. So we get to talk to them about uh, what real saving grace is and the fact that this is something that the Lord does for us as he brings us to spiritual life, uh, all those concepts that in a, in a sense tell them, you know, whether or not your child is a believer is important, but it's probably not something you can know because it's a transaction between the Holy Spirit and that child's heart. Uh, you could pray this way for your child. You could pray either for uh, salvation or for restoration because you don't really know where they are on the spiritual spectrum of, of actually coming to faith. Of course, that's what you hope has happened, but we don't know. And then they say, well, I'm I'm quite sure they must must be believers, or at least they were. Uh, so uh, they're still confused. And I often point them, and if you're familiar with our curriculum, you'll know that we spend a little time in the curriculum on this. I point them to the prodigal son account. Uh, <clears throat> and we look at that pretty closely in one of our sessions uh, in the online group. And some of the things we observe are very reassuring to those parents. For example, uh, the consistent, unfazed love of the father for that son well, that's how God loves your child. And by pattern, that's how you, in a human way, love that child. Uh, and the very fact that the father never refers to that child in any other term but son. So if, you're, if your child is a believer, it doesn't really change that basic relationship between him and his heavenly father, regardless of how he wanders. Scripture indicates some of the, the remarks that Paul makes that believers can wander badly, but it doesn't change their status as a child of God through faith in Christ. Uh, and of course, then you, you are able to point out that that scripture tells us that those in Christ were it were chosen by Christ, Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world. There's very little that can shatter a decision of God that was made before I even existed. So we get to uh, acquaint those parents with things that assure them of their child's uh, spiritual situation, even though perhaps they're not sure what it is, and indeed, we can't be sure what it is, is either. Uh, we also sometimes help them to see how Satan can twist their thinking and how deception really sounds better than truth sometimes in all this mess. Uh, I have noticed over the course of our online groups, literally, that the facial expressions of these parents relaxes when they come to understand some of the basic truths from scripture that really relieve them of taking on a job that isn't theirs. The job of changing that child's heart is not their job. Results always are the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we say, okay, you got two things you need to do. One is to know scripture well enough to share it when the Lord opens the way. The second is to model that the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the consistency of his truth. But your job is not to secure results. That relieves them greatly. And they say to themselves, well, who's going to do it then? Well, your heavenly father's going to do it through his spirit. And you're going to stand with him in prayer. That's your job. 
I like this. Uh, this is so good and so helpful. And, and you're giving us, um, well, you're you're pulling back the curtain on what you folks do in these groups, which is great. Uh, but you're giving us things that we can communicate as well and and that, that we need to learn. If the, these are not familiar realities to us, we need to do that. I want to go back. As, as Joy was talking, Joy, I, I was writing down things about uh, Scripture and what was important. And it was really interesting because I was writing things one of them I wrote before he even said it, um, and I was so glad when you said it. So I thought, uh, number one, you talk about God's design, and you know our kids. We've said it before on here. Our kids are tooling around on the internet. They're swimming in a peer culture where, you know, for example, rapid onset gender dysphoria is a social contagion. Kids are looking for identity. Kids are, you know, trying to figure out that question: Who am I? What do I believe? This gives them another option that's out there, as crazy as it, as it is. And what, what these people, you mentioned folks who, when people go on the Internet, they're looking for affirmation from a quote-unquote Christian perspective, they're going to find it. I've read those books, and I've said it on this podcast before, that when you go back and you read those, there's one consistent thread that is missing in the the tapestry that these people weave and it is the creational intent they never go back to genesis and it's a twisting of scripture post fall uh you know writings of paul things in leviticus whatever that that they with a bad hermeneutic come to some you know understanding or misunderstanding of i will say there's another thread with most of them the stories are emotionally compelling and for someone who's trying to find their way and find some affirmation, they're going to find it there because I know when I read the stories, I'm drawn in by how emotionally compelling they are. And if I didn't have my age, you know, and hopefully the wisdom I have as a result of that and a background in biblical truth, it would be so easy to go into that rabbit hole. So I think God's design, doctrines of truth, you both mentioned that. We've talked about, you know, sovereignty and, and other things as well. And then here's what you mentioned, Joy, and I want to, you know, just just say this to people. Uh, words of comfort from the scriptures. Words of comfort. And, you know, to, to jump into those. And this is where I think, and I'll speak from experience, you know, uh, preaching the gospel to yourself, as we say that, when you're in difficult times and you're not seeing clearly, you know, preach the scriptures to yourself, speak the scriptures to yourself, state the scriptures to yourself, verbalize them. So I love this. Now, all right, so we need to take another break. Um, this is so good, but when we come back now, uh, let's go through, let's walk through, Joy, the four points, because these are very practical and very helpful that you list in your article. By the way, Chris, as he said, will include links to everything that's been mentioned here, the curriculum that Joan and Joy have mentioned from Harvest USA, a link to Harvest USA. And I've got to tell you, if um, you yourself are struggling with any of these things, or you're working with students who are, or you're the par- a parent of someone who is struggling with these realities, and, and who among us doesn't know someone now, right? Um, just, I mean, It is just a treasure chest of information and help uh, with the articles and the blog posts and things on the Harvest USA uh, website. So we'll include a link to that as well. And uh, yeah, check it out. Go, go to cpyu.org. Uh, look for the player for this particular podcast episode. And if you scroll down underneath Chris Wagner, we'll have put everything on there. All right, a break, and then we'll be back. Youth workers, we're thrilled to announce that registration is now open for our second annual Northeast Youth Ministry Summit to be held from March 4 to 7, 2024 in beautiful Ligonier, Pennsylvania. This practical and hope-filled youth ministry training conference is co-sponsored by CPYU and our friends at Reformed Youth Ministries. Our theme this year is Cultivating Wisdom and Discernment. You will experience theologically sound youth ministry training, a great sense of community, rich times of worship, exposure to great resources, and opportunities to grow in your effectiveness at ministering to the emerging generations. Last year's first ever Northeast Youth Ministry Summit was a great time of being equipped, connected, and encouraged. Space is limited, so you will want to register soon. You can learn more, see the schedule, meet the speakers, and register at nymsummit.org. That's nymsummit.org. Hey, 
Okay, as we come out of the break, we had a little chat about where we want to go in this final segment, and I'm going to turn it to Joan because she had a couple of, uh, of pressing thoughts that I think are really, really valuable. Um, she didn't twist my arm to say she had to say this, but I just think it's great, great stuff that we don't want to overlook, and it's very, very helpful. So, Joan. Okay. Um, one of the burdens that our families come to us uh, with is, and they don't often like to mention it because actually they're embarrassed, I think, because they think I'm the culprit in my child's behavior and it has to come back to me somehow because I'm the parent, that sort of thing. Um, and as Joyce said earlier, of course, we're not at all saying that we don't make mistakes as parents. Of course we do. Uh, and we have some regrets from how we've raised our kids. Uh, however, uh, Satan is really good at taking that false guilt proclivity that we have. Uh, and I think it's it's actually one of the best examples of how he twists truth. Uh, we figure that if we, we f well, first of all, we figure we're the problem when really you're not the problem because you can't force a sinner to sin and our children are responsible for their choices. So if we somehow fall into false guilt, we're saying a couple of things. One is, and this uh, is bogus on the face of it, that this is not my, this is not my child's doing, it's my doing. Well, that's not how God deals with us sinners. Our sin is our own doing. Uh, we can't really blame anybody else for it. Uh, I like to jokingly say when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to call into the room all the people that we might be able to blame ourselves on. However, uh, it's also, false guilt is also a trap in that, I think I said it earlier, it indirectly convinces us that there's something we can do to fix all this. And that, again, is not biblical because going forward, it has to be a change wrought in the heart of that child by the Holy Spirit. So our involvement, as we've said several times, is going to be prayer and standing with the Lord's plan for that child, whatever that might be, as hard as it might be to watch or as hard as it might be to wait uh, through. That's where our growth in grace comes in. <clears throat> And then another thing that happens when we, we fall into false guilt, it tends to, to be like quicksand and we get stuck there. Uh, a false humility, a false self-punishment can come in there like, oh, I'm just, I'm just the cause of that. And we become the fo our focus almost rather than uh, spending our spiritual energy on our child uh, through our prayer ministry to them. Uh, so, I don't know how false guilt, you know, might affect an individual, but please be aware that it's something that has to be guarded against. Um, one of the ways to guard against it is in your prayer time, your prayer life, to ask the Lord to clarify for you perhaps where there are things that you need to apologize to for your child, but you don't want to become a chronic apologizer because then your child can easily turn you into the problem instead of the problem that exists between you and God, or I'm sorry, between the child and God. One of our duties as parents of adult children is to allow for the elbow room that the Holy Spirit needs to be working in that child's life. If I insert myself as the necessary catalyst to bring that child uh, back around to where God would have him be, then I become the lightning rod and I become almost perhaps some of the obstacle in the, the whole picture. I will say that I have never in the 20, 30 years that I've been involved in counseling, I have never seen a parent be the catalyst that changes that child's way. Usually it's someone from the outside, a third party uh, someone that the Lord uses or something that the Lord uses to turn that child back to himself. However, that doesn't mean you give up. Again, you as a parent will be able to pray for that child in ways that no one else is burdened to do because you're his parent. Uh, so be be glad for that position as the main 
prayer warrior for your child and don't spend your your mental and spiritual energy on on trying to fix it on the outside or on blaming yourself for what has happened. Uh, you said something, Joan, as well uh, during the break about uh, identifying people to walk alongside of us. Yes, yes. Uh, this is one thing for sure that you don't want to try to shoulder individually in isolation. It took me three months before I was able to be candid with my very best friend and prayer partner regarding the situation with my child. Uh, so don't be surprised if it isn't hard at first. You will need fellow pilgrims. That's what we like to call them because they are people who will uh, they are people who will plug into your situation primarily through prayer, through listening, and through encouragement. Those people who are good fellow pilgrims will not scold you. They will not necessarily try to instruct you unless you ask them for advice. They are simply walking with you, whatever you need. Now, how do you find those people? Lots of times we tend to look around and say, oh, I think that person would be a great person to, you know, to mentor me. I'm going to go ask him to be my accountability or whatever. I would recommend that you make it a primary matter of prayer Ask the Lord to bring the ones that he knows will fit your situation. The I have four women who I consider my fellow pilgrims in general. I would never have chosen any of them, but the Lord has uh, gradually brought them across my path and added them to my life and to my world. So look for those fellow pilgrims. Uh, we at Harvest are uh, quite desirous of being fellow pilgrims with you to the extent that we can through our materials and through our online groups. But you need people who will walk with you on a daily basis, and you probably are not going to be the best one to choose those people. One more footnote. Many of the, our families are hesitant to share these facts and this, these pieces of news, even with family. Please don't feel that you owe the rest of the world the details of your life. Uh, fellow pilgrims will guard them and will be confidential and will be helpful. But you do not have to share this, these instances or these pieces of information with anybody that you do not care to. Many parents feel that it's the child, especially the adult child's place, to announce these things and they don't necessarily even tell family members uh, again every situation is unique but uh seek the lord's guidance seek the lord's people and whatever harvest can do for you we're here for that too okay so one of the things harvest has done is joy's article joy can you give us a flyover i know folks can go and read it we want to we want to send them there uh, but the article about loving parents as they love their LGBTQ kids, you list uh, four suggestions about how to love uh, this often invisible part of the body of Christ well in their adversity. Right. Well, you should know that um, my colleague at Harvest, Ellen Dykus, asked me a few months back to write a blog post to encourage parents. And after, you know, working with parents the last couple of years, I was thinking through what I wanted to write about and what, how I could encourage parents. And I decided one of the big ways I thought I could encourage parents was to encourage the church. And so that's a little bit behind why I wrote this article the way that I did. And what I really wanted to do was to encourage the body of Christ about walking alongside these parents and practically how they could do that. And so my first point was weeping with those who weep. And you note in the article that I talk about Job, the book of Job, and particularly chapter two. And we know that Job's friends were not always wise in the counsel that they go, gave to Job later in the book of Job, but at least in the beginning, in chapter two of Job, they got it right. They actually made an appointment and came and sat down for a week with Job without saying a word. And my point there in that, um, that section was just to encourage the church in coming alongside these parents 
who have children who have embraced this LGBTQ plus identity and how devastating it's been for them and the state of grief, shock, and lament that they're in to encourage people to come alongside them and be that brother born for adversity to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, you know, that's my first point in the article is weeping with those who weep. And, you know, to encourage people in that situation as well, that you don't always have to have the perfect words to speak. And I think Joan alluded to that, but just being that faithful friend that's there to listen and to pray and to encourage. And then another point I make in the article is encouraging pastors and elders to preach and teach on um, these things in the church. Now, I want to add a caveat that I'm not saying here or encouraging um, leaders in the church that you have to get all entangled in political issues. That's not what I'm, I'm encouraging or stressing here. But I'm saying, hey, the scriptures do speak to these issues and be willing to go there and preach on these topics. And I think I've already mentioned several passages um, that, that address these issues. So I'm just saying, don't shy away from them. Don't be afraid to, to teach and to preach on these topics. And as, as you do that, then you're coming alongside these parents and they're gonna feel a lot more comfortable to approach church leadership about what they're experiencing and going through. I think Joan and I have already mentioned that a lot of these parents feel very alone and isolated in their churches. And that just shouldn't be the case, Walt. Um, they ought to know that the church is a place of refuge for them where they can go and get wise counsel, get help, have shoulders to cry on and have um, brothers and sisters who grieve right along with them. And to that point, I make the case that the church is really not to be a showcase, it's to be a hospital. It's a place for sinners. It's a place for those who are grieving. It's a place for those who are crushed in their hearts. So, um, and then my final point is just to walk in humility and love with these brothers and sisters in Christ. So, um, a lot of my training has been through the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation wall um, in counseling there. And I just, I love um, what they stress that we're to walk alongside one another in humility and love. And we really follow Christ's example from Ephesians 2 in that regard. Um, and so um, I just really wanna encourage brothers and sisters to seek out parents who are struggling with their children in these ways and um, to share their own shattered dreams <laughs> with these parents, their own sufferings when appropriate um, to encourage them that they're not alone in having shattered dreams and struggles. And then um, just to be there again, um, to be humble, to be loving, to be patient, to be kind, to, to be willing to, to listen to hard questions even and doubts and struggles that these parents might be having with God's sovereignty in this most difficult trial that they're experiencing. Mm. So um, that was my aim in the article. And, and, and just thank you for your encouragement, Wal, and reaching out about it and encouraging me. It's my first blog post for Harvard. <laughs> It was very encouraging that that you found it helpful. And I hope by encouraging the church that I also encourage the parents, which yeah. what I set out to do. That's so good. You know, I, I was I'm working on something here that I have to submit <laughs> last week. Uh, but no, I have something I need to submit to some folks, uh, a piece that I'm writing. They've asked me to write and it's on this, you know, what we can do with uh in our churches to, you know, encourage parents and help with this. And one of the things I say when I talk about this larger issue about sexuality and gender, I, I raise some assumptions first off, you know, and one of them is uh, it's actually not an assumption. I think it's a fact that we have not trusted well, we've not trained well, and we haven't treated well. 
And, you know, the trusting part is trusting, as you've said, in God's sovereignty and God's great plan. We haven't trained well in the sense that we haven't talked about things well and and the right timing and, you know, the right content and posture. And then the treat it is those who struggle with these things. uh, I mean, uh, at an extreme case, we just we just, uh, you know, we send them out. You can't be here. You know, there's no place for you in, in, in God's kingdom or, or the church. And, you know, how are we going to help folks walk through this, whether they're walking with someone or walking through these struggles themselves? So this is, this is so good what you just, I, I, that came to mind as I was listening to you there. Uh, let's end with uh, some resources. I know you both have a lot of great suggestions. And again, whatever you come up with here, we'll, we'll uh, include links on the player. So, folks, if you're listening and you don't get it all right away, obviously you can rewind and listen again, but we'll include actual links to these. So uh, who wants to go first? I'll books, jump in. Okay. So um, a couple of polemic books that I want to recommend are, first, Love Thy Body, Yep. Answering Hard Questions About Life and Sexuality by Nancy Piercy. Yep. It's an excellent work. Um, We've and, had her on here to talk about that, so we'll include a okay, link to that great. podcast. Yeah. She has a new work right. um, addressing so-called toxic masculinity, yep. which I think is great. I haven't gotten it yet, but I do want to read that. And then the other one, and you you may have already mentioned this as well, Walt, is Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age by Rosaria Butterfield. Highly, highly recommended as well. And then um, some devotional books, which I encourage parents in, are a couple of devotionals, which I found particularly helpful. Um, in the Lord I Take Refuge by Dane Ortland. It's a, it's a devotional on the 150 Psalms. It is excellent. Um, you're reading the Psalms and then you're reading his really um, helpful devotional comments. Highly recommend that. And then Take Heart, Daily Devotions to Deepen Your Faith by David Pallison, my favorite professor at CCEF. Highly recommend his um, devotion as well. And then this is a little volume, which I think is especially helpful for parents. Um, It's called Wayward Children, Finding Peace and Keeping Hope. It's by Pastor Stuart Scott. It's one of the 31-day devotionals for life which I have found these quite helpful. Um, They're short, but they're really good and thoughtful. And at the end of each one, they give you reflections and kind of action points, which I think are helpful. They say it takes 30 days to develop a new habit. And I think these are helpful in helping us develop new thought habits in our lives. So um, highly recommend that. And then... um, the other couple of books that I wanted to recommend, which are more autobiographical, are a book by Laura Perry. She's now small, yep. called Transgender to Transformed. You may be familiar with it as well, Walt. I love Laura because she's so biblical. She's steeped in scripture. And um, she is excellent. And anything you can read by her or listen to her online. She's, she has a lot of YouTube videos, as well as her mom. Is very helpful for parents, Francine Perry. They're very good. And then um, the last book, autobiographical book that I'll mention is a book by Beckett Cook. Um, And oh, all of a sudden the name slips. So here it is. Here it is. A Change of Affection by Beckett Cook. In that podcast that I mentioned to y'all earlier by um, Kevin DeYoung interviewing Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg actually recommends this book, A Change of Affection by Beckett Cook, and I've read it, and it is excellent. So would highly recommend that as well. And he deals with some of the difficult questions in the back of that book. The first part is his story and autobiographical, and then the 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 back end of the book is dealing with kind of some specific ethical moral issues and questions of the day related to sexuality and gender. So um, those are just a few um, recommendations that I hope might be of help to some folks. Joan. Yeah, I have uh, four books I would recommend. Uh, These books are aimed at 
uh, the personal strengthening of the believing parent, uh, rather um, not, not particularly at all aimed at the problems of their kids. One of them is, but um, um, my burden, as I said at the very beginning, is how do I strengthen, sustain, how do I, I just shore up these parents who Satan would just love to not just defeat, but demolish through this experience. Um, the classic book in this list is one that probably a number of you've already read, and that is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Yep. Can't beat that for your own understanding of your father, your creator, your uh, sovereign, if you will. Um, anything, well, Packer's my favorite theologian ever. Uh, another one that is specific to the problems, but is written uh, in a lovely, brief, gentle style is Sam Alberry's Is God Anti-Gay? Uh, it's a very small book. I've never seen a book so small with so much to offer. Uh, Sam Alberry Is God Anti-Gay? Another one that is uh, a more general, encouraging uh Building book is by Alistair Begg, simple book, Brave by Faith. Uh, it's a different uh, type of approach to uh, the story of Daniel. We often look at Daniel as a wonderful hero. What did he do right? How could he be so strong? Actually, this kind of turns things on its head by focusing on Daniel's God, which is what these parents need. Uh, very uh, again a small book non-threatening size really great to give people and the last one is one that uh <clears throat> fairly new to me i think it's a fairly new book too is by a man named stephen mcalpine called being the bad guys which is how we quickly become seen by the world and by ourselves maybe uh, as we stand against things that are so that look like such tsunamis in our culture, being the bad guys by Stephen McAlpine. Those those are force. Uh, if you read all of them, you'll you'll really be blessed, and I hope uh, strengthened. Good. We we love recommending books here, and and one thing I'll say is with everything you've recommended here, uh, number one, the uh, the folks who are listening, we would recommend that you read read for yourself so that you're learning, so that you're changing, so that God is growing you. But the other thing is, as you read, you become familiar with things, and now you know what to recommend. And some of these you should probably have multiple copies of, so in the moment when someone comes to you, if you're a youth pastor or you're a pastor, uh, just a friend, if someone comes, you say, you know what, I've got something here I heard someone re recommend. I've read this, and just see if you you know, find this helpful. I'll give you a copy. And that's, I think that's a key. The last thing I want to do is just a word from you about how people can connect with the, with the online groups. And then I know also that uh, the support groups actually exist, uh, several of them, you know, real flesh and blood on site as churches start those. So how do we get in touch with you with Harvest to learn about that? Well, I think, you know, you're going to have our Harvest website, as you mentioned, in the show notes. So when you go to the website, there'll be a telephone contact number there. And if you're a parent that needs some, um, some support, you can call our office. We have wonderful appointment staff that'll make an appointment with us. And Joan and I usually do as many appointments as we can together with these parents. And we find that works really well. And the parents are so appreciative because we each bring a little something different to the table. So um, you can make an appointment with us. We interview the parents. We hear their story, offer encouragement and counsel for any issues um, they're struggling with and grappling with, questions they have. And then we ask them if they want to be part of a parent support group. And if they if they do, we put them on a list. And then our next parent support groups will be beginning at the end of January. Okay. We just finished up a set of parent groups that met all fall. And the next um, groups will begin at the end of January. They run for eight weeks. We meet weekly 
Um, usually it's a nighttime to accommodate fathers because we like as often as possible for moms and dads to partic participate together. That way you get the most out of it. And um, so they meet in our support groups. We meet for eight weeks. We work through Shattered Dreams, New Hope in that time. You can get that for free on the website. You can download it for free, but we also sell it as a, as a spiral bound notebook for $14. You can't beat that. You'll pay that if you try to print it out yourself. So I highly recommend if you do want to be part of a parent group or start a parent group in your church, get a copy of Shattered Dreams, New Hope and start working through that yourself, even before you join a group because it's really it's really um, helpful to do that to to do that work ahead of time before the group starts. So it really is a, an easy process to make an appointment with us, meet with Joan and I and then be part of a parent group. That's great. If you don't have that support locally. Awesome. Awesome. And and uh, I'll recommend to hey. folks as well when you go to the Harvest USA website, sign up for the emails. This is in many ways how I learn about what's being posted there in real time. Otherwise, I might miss something. So sign up for those emails. Weekly blog from Harvest. Uh, there's a ton of resources to look at under the resource tab on our website. Um, and uh, there are other segments of Harvest that exist for wives, for women, for men, and um and our parents and family groups. So there's a lot to learn about us. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, I am so grateful for the two of you, Joan and Joy. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, I want to encourage you to check out everything that's been mentioned here. Uh, I hope you have found this helpful and encouraging as well. You're going to face these issues, if not already. So uh, be prepared. Be prepared. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in, and we will catch you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.